Psalm 78. What I want to talk about tonight, maybe it will be carried through to uh, next week, God willing, is uh, this concept. I think it's for everybody, not just those that have children, but reaching and raising the next generation. And we're going to look at verses 1. Uh, all the way perhaps tonight to May, perhaps eight. And, um, and then we'll see how far we get uh, next week. But uh, I won't read these verses. I'll just uh, uh, I'll refer to these verses as we go along through the devotion tonight. But let's pray and uh, go before the Lord, shall we? Father in heaven, our gracious God, we do come before you tonight, Father, and we do thank you for the great God you are. We thank you, Father, for the privilege it is to be gathered together as your people and to sing to you tonight, to sing praises to you, to your holy name, for you are worthy, you're worth it. And we're so thankful, Father, that we have a Savior that loves us. And we thank you for your word that is forever settled in heaven. We thank you for your testimonies, your goodness, your, great, your greatness and your graciousness. Everything about you, we cannot but thank you for the good God that you have been to us. I ask and pray tonight, dear God, that you will continue to minister to us through your word and that we would be encouraged and strengthened and built up in the faith. We pray, Lord, that these words would not fall on deaf ears, but these words, will, Lord God, will be retained, learned and practiced. Father, for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in verses 1 to 3, we uh, note the psalmist here uh, disclose the fact that he has been the byproduct of the Great Commission in the Old Testament. Uh, notice verses 1 to 3. Give ear, O my people, to, to the law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. <clears throat> I will open my mouth in, in the parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have what? Told us. So the psalmist begins by revealing that he was educated regarding the things of God by his forefathers. And now he affirms that he will open his mouth and make the truths known to his own people. So what he learned from his forefathers, he was going to carry over to the next generation. Look at verses 4 and 5. The psalmist continues to reinforce his responsibility to convey the truth to the next generation. He says, We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the what? The praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. So over here we see what he's, going, what, he, what he's going to reinforce to the next generation. The praises of the Lord, His strength and the wonderful works that He has done. Look at verse 5. For He hath established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to who? The to their children. Okay, so the Lord chose the nation of Israel... Not to just be a, a nation that does nothing, but rather to show forth the praises of God to the next generation. And so he chose these people to testify of God's laws and his commandments that were appointed as the oracles of God. And so in reality, they'll be like the custodians 
of the truth commanded to make them known to their children. Look at verse 6. The psalmist goes on as far as making sure that the next generation will be also faithful to declare the truth to their generation. Look at verse 6. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their what? Children. Children. You see that? So he's not just concerned about raising up the next generation, but he's also concerned that he would teach the next generation to pass on the baton, if you'd like, of truth to their children and so forth. And so uh, in verse 7, the psalmist gives a threefold purpose for declaring the truth to the next generation. He says what? That they might set their hope in God and forget uh, and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And so the for- first thing here that he uh, has in mind is that the truth will be told to the next generation that they would hope in God. In other words, they would rely on God. Their hope will be in God. So the purpose is that they would learn to trust God for themselves. You know, as your children grow up or even the next generation of uh, of, of the people that we live amongst, uh, even in the community, workplaces, it doesn't matter where you are, it's a generation to come. We have to be, no doubt, a testimony to them to show them how we have trusted the Lord and how they too need to trust the Lord, the Lord, the God, that the, the creator God that made them. In other words, their confidence ought to be in the Lord, not in people, not in possessions or prosperity, not in pleasure, but in the Lord. And this also has to do with the Lord being their only one and true God. As they set their heart or their hope in the Lord, there ought not to be no other gods before him. And so the whole point here is to remind the next generation that there's only one God and that we don't trust dumb uh, dumb idols and we don't put our faith in the material things that we see in this world but we put our faith and hope and trust in who the lord and so he's hoping that we will teach him that that end may be accomplished second of all that they would remember the works of god they would not forget look at that look what it says there in verse 7 they would not forget the works of god So if we are consistently teaching the word of God to the next generation over and over again, guess what's going to happen? They're not going to to forget. They're going to remember. If you teach them uh, the goodness of God and uh, continue to teach them the goodness of God over and over again and lift up God before them, it would be hard for them to forget it. And uh, not only this, but it brings about a revelation of God. When we teach them, we teach them about the testimonies of God that makes the, why, uh, the, why, uh, the, the, uh, the simple wise. In other words, it enlightens them to see who God really is. They're not, gonna, they're not going to know. These little ones will not know who God truly is by watching television. They're not going to know by going out there in the world and working with the heathen. Who are they going to get it from? Or they're going to get it from the godly heritage that's been passed on from one generation to another generation and making sure the next generation to come will have a godly seed and their seed and so forth. That's how God wanted it. Thirdly, over here we see 
that they would retain the words of God. So not only they would remember the, uh, the works of God, but they would retain the words of God. Notice that conjunction. But keep his commandments. You know, we reminded here tonight that it was disobedience that cursed the whole world. The disobedience of one man that had one command in reality, really, uh, that we see that was very specific. It is obedience that brings about blessing to people. I mean, you can mark it down. We sing it uh, oftentimes, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to what? Trust and obey. Now, if people are not taught the word of God, then they're going to remain ignorant of what God really wants them to do. How are people going to know uh, to obey God if they don't even know what God requires of them? So we must teach them the commands of God, what God requires from us. And so teaching the word of God keeps people accountable. That's why people don't want to hear it. Oftentimes when you go out into the world, people don't want to hear the word of God because they don't want to be held accountable. You know, there are times that you may minister the gospel to others and they might say, I wish I didn't hear this. Why? Because they're accountable to what they hear now. They know it's true. They know what you're saying is no doubt cannot be, you know, debated. That's why they try to debate it to soothe their conscience so they can live a reckless life without God. But the more you preach, the more angry people get because they harden their heart to the truth and they don't want to hear it. It's like Israel. They shut their ears. They don't want to hear it. They close it. They, uh, like the example, we're going to use that a little later on with Stephen. How when he preached, they, they just closed their ears. They don't want to hear it anymore. And so when you preach or teach the commandments of God, it holds people accountable. Our children must be under the word of God every day, week in, week out, from year to year. They have to, they must. Once a week on a Sunday or even on a Wednesday night is not enough. They must hear it every day. Every day we must train them up in the word. We must nourish them up in the word of God. I'll tell you why. Because the world has a pull on them that they will learn more in the world with just seeing and hearing when they just go to shopping, right? Than they would just on a Sunday from the world. I'll tell you. So what do we have to do? Well, when we go out, they hear something, they ask questions. We combat it with the word of God. We remind them that that's the heathen that need to get saved. This is the way of the wicked man, as the Proverbs defined and contrast the wicked with the wise, you know, the righteous and the wicked. And we tell them every day uh, how we're supposed to live upright according to God's word. And if you're not living that way, then perhaps you need to get saved. And if, you, if for whatever reason uh, they're not getting saved, well, you need to every now and then remind them the necessity uh, of heaven and hell, sin, judgment, repentance, uh, everything that the gospel conveys. They have to be taught every now and then, reminded about uh, salvation. Now, I want you to see in Deuteronomy 6, what the Bible says there. <clears throat> Leave your finger in uh, Psalm 78. But notice the specific instruction from the Lord himself given to parents. Okay, I want you to see this in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. The Bible says there, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. Look at verse 7. And thou shalt teach them how. How? 
Does it say casually? No. Flippantly? No. It says diligently. Unto thy children, and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So over here is very clear that God wants us to teach our true children to love the Lord, their God, their maker, the one that formed them in their mother's belly, all day, every day, reminding them to give thanks, praise God, and love God. But, you know, let me just say this to you. How are you able to teach that to your children when you're not doing that yourself? If you're not praising God, if you're not thanking God, if you're not loving God, if you're not uh, obeying God and, 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 and you're not remembering the words of God, how, how are you supposed to convey that to your children? Uh, our devotion was from Proverbs 4 this morning, if you want to turn there. We had a good devotion this morning. Uh, we, we try to keep the devotion with all the Bible reading that we have and uh, the prayer time and the little thought, try to keep it one thought. We try to keep it about 15 minutes because we know our, the, the children, their attention um, can only be developed and, and their threshold yet more and more. And so as they grow, they'll learn to listen and pay attention. <clears throat> and so... The, high, the whole idea is to, is to get them to get that one thought a day and drive it in and remind them of that thought. And so Proverbs 4, verses 1 to 4, it says here, Hear ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and beloved in the sight of my mother, and he taught me also and said unto me, Let thy heart retain my words and keep my commandments, and what will happen? And live. Because we know that honoring your mother and your father is a command given with promise. If your children do not hearken to your voice after that you teach them time and time again, every day, week in, week out, you might miss a day here and there, but for the most part you're on it. And by the time they get older, if they reject the things that you have been teaching them, I guarantee you their life will be cut short. In quality, maybe quantity, or maybe even miss out on eternity. I guarantee you, if they grow up, and look at verse 13, and do not hold fast to the instruction that they've been taught as a child, they will miss out on life itself, the abundant life that Jesus gives. They'll just live like any other heathen just for the here and now. Eat, drink and be merry will be their motto. And I tell them and I warn them. I said, maybe some of you in your heart right now just cannot wait until you turn 18. Ah, I just can't wait. Just wait. I just don't want to hear this anymore. Maybe you're, I don't even know what's going on in your heart. But I guarantee you, you go out there in the world and you forget the words of God that I've taught you, you're accountable. And you reject God. Listen, don't let me, I'm not going to go to no heathen wedding that they're married, you know, outside of, you know, someone that loves the Lord. I'm not going to that wedding. You're not going to force me to actually take photos with you, with, with someone that is a God hater. I'm not doing that. I mean, you read your Bible from cover to cover. God always set that standard to not be unequally yoked together with a non-believer and not to be partnered, partnering up with the heathen. 
Look, just read Nehemiah and see what happened in their generation and how angry Nehemiah got when they started to uh, simply go out of the, uh, uh, the, the boundaries of what God, what God set for marriage. You want to go out and you want to do what you want to do and start forgetting the, the things that God, uh, your father has taught you, the things that he's taught you from the word of God, you're accountable. You know, I'm going to stand where God stands. I'm going to love God more than loving you. Jesus made that clear, didn't he? Father, mother, daughter, son. But I'm afraid today that people love their spouses, love their children more than God. You know, loving God in comparison to all these other people that God has given us in our life ought to look like as if we hate them because we're putting God first. You know what? That's forgotten in our generation today. You do that, you're a cult. You do that, you're not loving. You do that, well, you know, you're just, you know, putting, you know, you're, 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 you're rejecting people. No, you're, no. I'm honoring God and his word. You know, did God do a mistake by letting the prodigal son go? Did God do a mistake when you wanted your own way and rebel and do what you wanted and all these things that you did as a sinful man? Did, did God, was it God's fault? And God lets people go with the intentions of saying, hey, you, I want you to come back and get right. And he did that with Israel. You read it time and time and time again. He called them back. But he didn't, he, he didn't condone their sin. And he didn't, he didn't minister to them with lies. Now, I want you to see in verse 8, the psalmist, if you go back to Psalm 78... The psalmist points out three things to warn them not to be like their forefathers. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, you know, the Pharisees, you know, listen to what they say, but don't do what they do. Because for the most part, some of them taught the oracles of God, distorted most of them. But don't, don't live like a hypocrite, he's saying. Live out, live out what you teach. And so the forefathers were hypocrites. <clears throat> the psalmist points out three things. In verse 8, he, he wants to teach the next generation for this purpose, that they'll be not like their forefathers or their fathers, as stubborn and rebellious generation. A stubborn and, re and a rebellious generation. A generation that set not their heart aright, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Let's look at the first one. How were, they, how were the fathers a bad example? Well, number one, they were disobedient. They were stubborn, rebellious, the Bible says here. Now, to be stubborn uh, means that they didn't want to move forward. They were like dumb yields that would not budge. God's, God's calling them, move forward, press on, move forward, let's go. And they were just stiff-necked people. And, uh, and that's what Steve, uh, Stephen uh, basically said to them. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Now the metaphor, stiff-neck, is taken from a stubborn ox. You know, an ox that would not be broken under the yoke. You're trying to put a yoke on him so you can yoke up and, 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 and be guided to plow the ground and he wouldn't. 
He would have a very strong neck that could not be budged left or right. It would just be stiff. And if it's stiff, he's not going anywhere. And so to be stubborn is to have a stiff neck that doesn't go anywhere. They're just rebellious people is the next point. A people, by the way, uh, that were rebels. I mean, you don't want that for a, a characteristic, that you're rebelling against God. That means to be willfully reckless and disobedient. Willfully. You're not slipping up every now and then. It's willful disobedience. It's, it's reckless uh, uh, disobedience. They were given specific instructions and they bluntly disregarded it. I'm not going to do that. I don't care about what God says. I mean, can you imagine a people like that? I mean, I can. I see it, I see it every day when I go out soul winning. Yeah. Every day I see a people that is stiff-necked and rebellious people. And I'm not taking a crack at, at, the, at the Jewish people here. Gentiles are just as bad. Now, yeah. Gentile nation is, is heathen, God-hating, God-forsaking people. It's getting worse. But can you imagine... Your own family like that. Your own family that you're raising, your children that you're actually raising up, being stiff-necked and rebellious. Mate, the more stiff-necked and rebellious heart I see in my children, you know what I do? I ramp up the devotion and I preach like as if I'm preaching in the congregation or out there in the street. Because that's the key. The key is to give him more of God's word in every form, in form of instruction, in form of a commandment, in form of warning and caution. Uh, you know, people think, oh, you're, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm trying to tell you reality. Don't you think that you're going to live a life that rebels against God and you're going to live and you'll be, you know, I don't know if you saw the, the testimony of Todd that I uploaded on the internet. But that man was so deluded that he actually thought that he believes in God and it doesn't matter how he lives, he can rebel against God and his word and he's still going to go to heaven. That's the deluded generation that we live in. No wonder John the Baptist said, don't you, don't, don't, just because you're the children of Israel or the, or the, or the seed of Abraham, you know, don't you think that's going to get you anywhere. You know what? From these stones, God is able to make, you know, a seed of Abraham. And not only were they rebellious, but they were doubtful. Look at this. A generation that set not their heart aright. Their hearts were, were not firm and stable and established in the things of God. Their hearts were completely... Taken and not for the Lord. They were double-minded. double, they, were double they had a divided heart. They were unstable people. Their heart was not, you know, in a good place. In other words, it wasn't set for the things of God. You know, the heart is the seat of affection. And they weren't setting their affection on things above. That's why Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. They did not treasure the Lord and his words. They, their heart wasn't right. And when your heart is not right, you cannot retain the words of God. When people, when, when people have you know, some sort of grudge against God, 
they're, for whatever reason, there's no way in the world that they're going to have ears to hear. Look at the next part of that verse. And whose spirit was not steadfast with God. They were disrespectful. They were people that were unfaithful. They would go so far and they would, they would not continue. Especially after everything that God has done for them. I mean, he gives them the promises of God. Uh, he, he sets them free from Egypt. He feeds them in the wilderness. And like stubborn mules, murmuring people over and over again. It's like God couldn't do anything to make them happy. Oh, never happy. Always murmuring. Always grumpy. They're not even thankful. You go again. Gentiles are not any different. You go out on, out on the street. Hey, the children that we're raising, they're not any different. They're made out of the same stuff. We have to teach them. We've got to be thankful. Thank God for your legs. Thank God for your arms. Thank God for your ears. Thank God for your eyes. And thank God for your mouth. And thank God for the food. Why are you complaining? You got everything. You got everything. What more do you want? But listen, the more you give them, they're still not satisfied. They take advantage of God's goodness. Over and over again. They're disrespectful. Their spirit was not steadfast with God. They go so far. Oh, where's the, we're hungry. He feeds them. Oh, is that all we have? Oh, we're thirsty. Gives them water. I mean, it's in our passage, but we don't have time to go there. I want you to see Isaiah 1. Turn there with me. I mean, whatever, whatever little thing takes place, I just want to blame God for it. Oh, Moses, it's your fault. Your God-appointed leader, it's your fault. And you know what, God, it's your fault too. It's not their fault. It's never their fault. It's always the leadership, always the parents' fault, always the pastor, always. Now, I can understand maybe Moses wasn't perhaps the best leader, but he tried. Amen. He tried and he was, he was very patient. I mean, think about it. Over two, about How many million? A couple of million people murmuring complaints with one another. And he has to deal with their complaints and work out the problems and this and that and lead them where God wanted them to go. And all these people just, you know, feel like they're just carried along. They're just blind to the goodness that they've been shown. Just blind. And that's the sinful nature, folks. I mean, you can actually raise up your kids. You can feed them. You can put clothes on their back. You can love them. You do one little thing. All that is forgotten. Wow. How does that happen? How does that happen? And it does. Have a look at verse 2 in Isaiah 1. Hear, o, he says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have what? They have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. I mean, what a contrast he's making here. The ox knoweth his owner. Mate. You don't even know me. You don't even consider me the dumb animal 
considers me. He considers the master. And you don't even consider your God? A dumb animal can make his way into the ark. But man, <laughs> why? Because there's this wicked people that are unthankful, unholy. and Don't care for God. And, and this is what, by the way, this is what, we're which is what we're teaching people. Our children, you don't want to be like these people in the days of Noah. You sure don't want to be like these rebellious Israelites and God-forsaken heathen Gentiles. Listen, kids, wake up. Wake up to yourselves. You want to love the Lord. And you want to praise the Lord. By the way, it takes effort to do that. It doesn't come naturally for us. And like we heard on Sunday, love is an action. It's an action. It's an effort. It's not just a feeling. Oh, I don't feel any love for God. Well, maybe because you don't see the goodness of God upon your life because you're wrapped up with yourself and you love yourself too much. That's probably why. You're blinded by love for yourself. That's why you can't see the love of God in your life. Again, we get it over and over again on the street. What's he done for me? I mean, Ma'am, excuse me, you got legs to walk. Don't you? Yeah, I mean, you've got taste buds to enjoy this food. We're telling this man just, just recently, I think it was yesterday. And he said, um, he says, oh, well, you know, I go, to, I, go and, I go to work and I work. He doesn't work for me. I said, mate, he's given you hands to work and a brain to know how to know how to work. And he just got stunned there for a moment. You see, you just got to tell people. You've got to tell them, you've got to remind them what God has given them. Where do you think you got your, ha your hands from? Who gave you these? God have to give you hands? No. He didn't. Just simple hands. Thank God for them. We can create and innovate and use them. By the way, you lose your pinky, you've lost about 50% of your strength. And if things like, ha like that happen in our life, when we lose things, when we deteriorate, we should be more thankful that God gave us these things. Yeah, another lady in the aisle. Another lady in the aisle, just witnessing to her on the same day. No. No. He took, he, took, he took my family away. No, no, hang on a minute. He never took anybody away. He gave you your family and you enjoyed them for a while. And we're all going to die one day. But you know what? God wants to give you eternal life. He wants to bless you, but you don't even see the simple blessings of life and therefore you're going to miss out on the eternal blessings. You know, this is what people don't understand. God wants to bless them. But they don't see God as a loving God. They see him as a God that you know, takes things from them. Like as if God owed them anything. Look at verse uh, 4. Ah, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. Wow. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away, what? Backward. Why should ye be stiffened, uh, stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint from the sole of your foot, even under your head. There is no soundness in it, but wounds, bruises and purifying sores. 
They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with anointment. Next week, we'll look at more detail of Psalm 78 and what, he, what they got themselves into and how they were sinful against God. But in the New Testament, we're also told, on, told to pass on the baton of truth to the next generation. And then the Lord taught his disciples, he gave them divine revelation, and then he commissioned them to pass on uh, the truth that they've heard to those that will hear them. Go to John 17. John 17. Look at verse 6. Notice what Jesus says to God the Father. He says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thine gavest, me, uh, gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. Look at, uh, look at verse 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Look at verse 18. As, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Look at verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through who? Through their word. So the whole idea is he, Jesus, not only giving them the Great Commission, as we see in Matthew chapter 28, but even praying for the next generation that will believe on their word. That's how important it is to God. In 2 Timothy 2, have a look there, what Paul tells Timothy. Second Timothy 2 and verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to who? To faithful men that they, who shall be able to what? Teach others also. And this is how God wanted it. Brethren, if you're saved here today, because you're, you're a byproduct of the Great Commission. Someone witnessed to you the truths of the gospel. Someone did me 21 years ago. It was the gospel. And we know now the gospel is trying to be perverted by false teachers. That even in the midst of that perversion, God is still able to send someone for you to hear the truth. He's looking for men that will declare the truth without any compromise. Men that will love the Lord with all their heart. Men that will contend for the faith. Uh, there's this thing going on, I think it's in America, a commercial. I'm not up to commercials, I don't watch commercials, but obviously there's one going around about on the internet, the commercial of uh, washing feet. Anyone heard that? The commercial of washing feet? There's, it's going around in America, and man, there's like an uproar, uh, and some preachers are standing up against it. They believe they're diluting the gospel tainting the gospel, making it harder for people to really understand what Jesus meant when he was washing the feet. But I think you've got people washing feet of 
in the commercial of uh, homos, homosexuals, and washing their feet, stuff like that, and um, and, uh, and and just basically tainting the the, the truth of God's word, and uh, seeing that take place. And one preacher stands up, one pastor stands up, and he was absolutely, you know, persecuted. Uh, for saying that Jesus watched the disciples' feet, not necessarily the people in the world. The people in the world need to hear the gospel. And we know we can do good gestures for them and we can be hospitable and so forth. But what, where he was coming from is they need to be taught the gospel. They need to be preached to. They, someone needs to tell them the truth. Uh, I think the commercial was promoting a soft social kind of way of evangelizing without the truth, right? Just love, 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 love concept. You know, you know how that is. Can I just say something? Jesus not only washed feet, but he flipped tables. And he, and he proclaimed woe to people that were actually hindering other people from coming to Christ. You just read Matthew 23. But somehow people just love that love, love you know, the love part of Jesus and forget the firm, stern holiness of Christ. And let me just say, there are some point, at some point, he, he braided the, the disciples after his resurrection. You read it in Matthew 28. They believed not. They had doubt and he abraded them. You know what he did? He scolded them. So yeah, at one point he washes feet, but another time he sets them straight. We have a Christianity who says, I don't want that setting this straight. I don't want truth. I don't want rebuke. I don't want instruction. I don't want knowledge. I don't want preaching. I don't want, I don't want those things. I don't want authority. Just love, 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 love. And love lets me do whatever I want. That's not the kind of love God showed. Look at 2 Timothy 3. Look at verse 15. One, one chapter over. Look what Paul says to Timothy. He says that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise. What's the holy scriptures able to do? Make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm, I'm just going to trust the proverb and train them up, teach them, nurture them, give them the word. My duty is to pass on the baton. Now, if one of my children doesn't pass on the baton, well, he has, he has to answer to God. But it's my responsibility to live out the truth that I hear and pass it on to the next generation. That's what God wants me to do. For how long? Until Jesus returns. Unable to do it with my ability and the resources that I have. Your ministry may change. But I know in whatever context you're in, even, even a mother is able to teach her children. I mean, the highest education is theology. It's learning about God. A lot of people want to learn more about animals than they do God. Who made those animals? Oh, learn, learn about animals. God made them wonderful. But don't learn more about animals than you do God. Learn more about cars than they do God. More about this than they do God. They want the created things more than the creator himself. And that, I believe, is a shame. We need to flip it on its head. And how do we do that? We, we, we our leisure time is, is the things of God. You know, they, they're, not, they're not dread. They're not like, oh, I've got to go to prayer meeting. Oh, I've got to go to church on Sunday. Well, I've got to go soul winning. It's not a dread. It shouldn't be a dread. 
as you mature, your love is perfected in Christ as you remain, as we heard last week, abiding in Him. Guess what happens? The love of God is perfected in you. It's like driving a car. It's like second nature. Man, this is, this is whom God is making me. I, I, and I know that if I slide a little, or I know if my love is depleting, I know it and God makes it very clear. I know when I'm not loving God like I ought to. I know it. Because God doesn't want me to be stubborn. He wants me to move forward. He wants me to grow in love, abound, get more and more in love for Him, for others, in His Word. That's why God put us here on earth. Prepare us for heaven. Oh, what a day. We sung, we sung. What a day that will be. When, uh, when, you know, you really mean that? When, the, when you're Jesus, you shall see? Like, serious, you really mean that? Do you, do, is the loving kindness of God better than life? Is to be with Christ far better? Because it can be cultivated. And if it's not in your heart, you can break down and say, God, I'm a love me do. I don't want to. I want to love you. That's how it started with me 21 years ago. I saw how much I was living for Charlie Haddad. And that's how God doesn't want that. He never put us on this earth so we can live for ourselves. And we're even now learning how to continue to perfect. How do I live for you, God, in the midst of all of my responsibility? And this is a key. Teach the next generation. That's how you live. Love God before them and teach them how to love God for themselves. Have a look at Ephesians 6. And look at verse 4. It's amazing how the world, seriously, brethren, it is amazing how the world has put this you don't want to call it fear on us that when we're talking about the things of God in public, like when we're talking to someone, we have to be like, like that. And the worst thing is when you're talking about the things of God after church to the saints and the church are just, and the people of God, they're not with it because you know what? We just did church. Let's, let's, let's forget about that. You know, we, we, we move on now. We did church. We, you know, but the world, you're just, you're, you're very careful. What, why? Why are we ashamed to talk about God in public? And I would say to you, the fear of man bringeth a snare. It's always a pushback from the world. They want to make you think that loving God, serving God, being committed is evil. It's wrong. It's cultish. Now, that's, that's how they want to make you feel. And so what, what, what do you naturally do? You tone it down. You try to blend in to reach them like Todd was trying to do in that little thing. You know, you're not going to win so many people like that. Yeah, well. Now, part of the admonition we see here in, in Ephesians 6.4, he says, And ye fathers, pro, pro, provoke not your children to wrath. But bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's a command. That is a command. Well, you know what? My kids, uh, their heart is not in it. Well, welcome to my country. That's why the preaching and teaching ministry is there. 
So the, the, the word of God gets a hold of them because they're born sinners. They're not born loving God. That's why we have to teach them how to love God and how we love ourselves more than God because we have a sinful nature. And so you, you just, whether they like it or not, you're, sitting, you're under this roof, you're going to be listening to, to the... To the yeah. Listen, and I want to... Listen, there's no enthusiasm. Man, I love teaching people with enthusiasm. Oh, it's so easy to preach with people that want to be taught. Easy. But people don't want to be taught. It's like, oh, it's like pulling a tooth. But just plow and just go and love teaching and, and, and preach with authority and teach with authority. Why? Their soul hangs in the balance. They're apathetic. They're like dumb mules. They're not there. They're lost. Satan has blinded them. Well, you need to wake them up by the preaching. But how are you going to do that if you're not awake? How, how are you going to do that if you're not rising up to righteousness? And so it's very hard to, to, to teach if we're not being taught on a daily basis from the Lord himself. We're not entrenched in the word of God. Uh, you know what? Stop sometimes. We're tired. We're sick. We don't want to do it. Fine. Hey, let's do it on another day. But we don't stop doing it. Amen. You pick it up the next day and you go. Sure, you don't have to go an hour and make it boring. You can sing one song. After the Lord's Supper and the Passover meal, they sung one hymn. Sing one hymn, teach a simple truth, pray together, get on with your responsibilities. They're not loving one another. Didn't you just hear the devotion? Son, come on, man. Encourage them. Hey, we've got to love the Lord by one. Every day, when you wake up, when you walk by, the, it doesn't stop. It happens all day, every day. Believe me, it's got to. And if it doesn't, Mate, they're just going to be gone with the wind. We spoke about this morning. You're just going to be gone with the wind like the heathen haters of God who are like the chaff. Who are the chaff? The chaff is no substance. They have no substance in them. They don't take the counsel of the Lord. Therefore, they're not blessed by God. And they're gone with the wind. You watch it. Only time will tell. You see people that don't love the Lord, they're gone. They're finished. And their name will, their name will rot. Now, again, part of the admonition is we don't want our children to be like heathen haters of God. We don't want you to grow up to be God-forsaking people. We want you to love the Lord. That's part of the admonition. And I'm going to close with two more verses. 1 Corinthians 10. We're going to look at 5 and 6. 1 Corinthians 10, look at, five, look at verse 5. Again, using the children of Israel as an example, Paul says to them, many, with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. That gives us a good indication, brethren, that we can fall into that. And the whole purpose of learning, not to, not to, not to bag them out, but not to do what they've done. I don't want to be like my father who, who, who didn't love the Lord. And by the way, don't use that excuse in heaven. Oh, my father was a hypocrite. Well, don't, or if, why do you want to be one? 
Don't use that in heaven. Oh, I never loved the Lord because the people around me, you know, they're just all hypocrites, you know. Well, you know, join join the group. Another one. Well, you know, why don't you stop being a hypocrite and love the Lord? Why don't you be an example and say, well, I don't want to be like those people. I don't want to live a double life. I want to love the Lord with all my heart. And, and your kids ought to see that difference. I'm thankful that you're here tonight. I really am. And I, you, what? You, know, you know what? You just keep coming. You just keep coming. You stay in your place. You just do, keep doing what God wants you to do. Oh, it's tedious. No, it's not tedious when your heart is in tune with God and he continues to grow you. And the people around you that are carnal make you feel like there's something wrong with you because you're just loving the Lord. Don't, 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 don't fall for that. You don't have to tone it down because there are people that are stubborn behind you. You just keep going. And they need to pick up the zeal, the passion, the love that you have for God. And the inconsistency that you confess before them is a very important factor because I believe that's what Paul is saying. Don't you know, provoke your children under wrath. Admit your hypocrisy. Ask for forgiveness when you've done wrong before them. And continue then to minister to them the word of the Lord. We need to train up. We need to reach. And uh, we need to nurture the next generation in the way of the Lord. And I believe that we'll have another seed that will continue when we go and pass away. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven. Our gracious God, we, we do come before you tonight and we do thank you for your word. We thank you that we are byproducts of your word that has revived our heart in a wicked and crooked generation. And Father, we see examples that have gone before us that we don't want to be like them. We want to learn not to lust like they lusted. We want to love you, dear God, more than we love ourselves. And that is a challenge. But I know that you can help us and teach us every day by little gestures, and commitments and decisions and by denying ourselves. Father, we pray that you will continue to work in our hearts the things of God and that we would not be careless, that we retain the words that we hear and put them to practice for your glory and for the sake of the gospel. We pray that you would uh, give us wisdom to teach our children and help them grow up to teach their children. Father, we know that it's doable. We know that you're able. We know that you're not in control of the will of a person, but you can encourage the will. We we ask and pray that you will continue to nurture and encourage our children to fear God and love the Lord And help us, Father, demonstrate that before them. Not just in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen.